Hey, well, hey, my name is Colin. I am the middle school director for youth here at the Tapestry, and I'm also one of the worship leaders here on Sunday mornings. If you've been following along with our church, you know that we're in the middle of our series on worship as we seek to ex understand what worship is and why it's so important to us. We're going to be exploring, you know, what it means to worship as we gather, worship in the word, worship through the table, worship through sending. And today we are going to get to talk about worship through song. Uh, last night I was practicing uh, my message here. Um, and one of the things that my girlfriend Queenie said to me, said, yeah, you're really passionate. You, you're really excited about this. One, tone it down a bit. And two, this would be an exceptional message for people to take notes in. So I want to encourage you this morning, for the first time on a Sunday morning, I'm going to ask you to pull out your phone, open up the notes app, or unless you have a notebook, that would be great as well. Take some notes today. There's a lot, and I'm really passionate. I'm going to tone it down, but not really, okay? All right, so uh, I'll tell you about... Um, kind of where music worship has uh, kind of started for me. Um, it's always been a really important piece of my life since the very beginning. My family started going to church when I was around eight years old. Uh, my grandma was really sick. Um, she was sick with cancer. And so my parents decided that our family was going to look towards a higher power for um, healing for my grandma. And one Sunday morning, I was woken up from my beauty sleep, and I was told to change it to my fanciest clothes because we were going to church. Now, what I knew about church, or so I thought, um, was it was a place for old people to listen to older people about how to be good people. That was the most boring few hours of my life. Now, there was a time, and, and this is a real, like, scarring memory for me. Um, you know how kids, they, they have to go to Sunday school. And, you know, for me as a great, or, or as, a, as an eight-year-old, I'm thinking to myself, I go to school five days a week. I'm not late. I get picked up on time, and you're asking me to go to school again on a Sunday when I should be sleeping in? It was one of the most traumatizing times for me. Now, you know, uh, typical church services, there's, there's ushers that come down the aisle to, to take the offering. And so I'm like, who are these guys? One of the things that I believed about them, because no one prefaced church to me at all but when I was eight years old, I thought that those are guys, one, who came to steal our money, and two, I thought that they were looking for all the bad kids that didn't want to go to Sunday school, that to drag them to Sunday school. So what I did, I was, um, I was kind of leaning on my parents' lap, and I was, I was horizontal on the pew, and uh, I, was, I was like, these guys are coming. I took my dad's jacket, like really, I took my dad's jacket, I put it over myself because if I couldn't see them, they couldn't see me, and I hid from the ushers for the entire offering period. And you know what? It worked. I didn't have to go, and I got to skip out on Sunday school. That was my first experience skipping school. I would not recommend it to any teenagers. 
I promise it's not worth it. This was my first experience of church, and I never wanted to go back. And my parents told me that we wouldn't be going back to that church. Praise the Lord. If there is a God, he is out there. The next week, I was fooled. They told me that we weren't going to church, but I still got in a car in my fanciest clothes, and we went to a church service again, but it was a different place. We went to this church, and it was called Granville Chapel, and it's Vancouver, but, but something was different about it. Before, that there were still old people, now it was the same, and, and an, an old guy came up to speak, that was the same, but before that was something different. There was a band on stage. There was a guy behind a drum kit. There were two people playing guitar. There were people singing, and, and they weren't weird songs. They were singing this song that went, you know, your love is amazing, steady and unchanging, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. your love makes me sing. You guys know that song? All right, we gotta do it here. Um, this song was, was different. You know, something was, was shifting in, in me as I heard this song. There was something different about this song than the songs that I had been hearing on the radio. It actually felt like the people who were singing this song cared about the lyrics. I loved how simple it was. I could, I could try and catch on. And, and I loved it so much that I actually went up to uh, the music leader after the service and I said, hey, it's my first time here. That song was amazing. You have to do it again next week and I'll show up for sure. And you know what? This is what I love about worship leaders. He did it. And so we sang that song again the next week, and, and that was the start of uh, my family's entry uh, into church and Christianity. And over the next two years that we attended that church, I fell more and more in love with worship music. I began memorizing songs and singing them at home to my to my parents' dismay, they, they didn't like it because I couldn't sing on tune. I couldn't play piano. They, they didn't like it. But I loved it so much, and they couldn't stop me from singing worship songs. But, you know, there was nothing um, aside from, there was no depth from these songs apart from the emotional feeling, the way, the way that I loved them. Um, it wasn't until much later that I actually began to understand, you know, what worship was and why we did it. So that's the question I want to explore this morning. Why do we worship through music and why is music such a critical part of our lives as worshipers and disciples of Jesus? Today I want to explore three things. The first is why we worship through song. Second, we're going to be exploring a familiar psalm that teaches us about worship. And finally, I want to close with why worship through song is actually so close to my heart. Is that okay with you guys? Throw one of these if you're good. Oh, wow. I said, throw one of these if you're good. Okay. Someone gave me a high five. That was weird. Why do we worship through song? We can really worship through so many different avenues and song's just one of the many amazing ways that we get to respond to who God is and all that he's done in our lives. So for the purposes of today's message, I'm going to be talking about worship through music here 
on a Sunday, you know, with Apple Music, Google Play, or for the truly holy people, Spotify, amen. Worship music is the most accessible that it's ever been. We can listen to it on the way home, uh, as we study, as we work, as we work out, when we're cooking. There's, but there's something different about singing worship songs as we gather here as a community on Sunday mornings. And that brings me to my first point of why we worship through song. It's a way that we can worship together. There's something so powerful happening when 300 people gather here on a Sunday in unity, lifting up one song with one voice, same purpose, same mission to the same God. There's power behind that. When we hear the voices of the people on our left and our right, the family we're standing beside singing the same song, it rallies us. It brings us together. It reminds us that we're not alone in this. And I think that we need this, especially in the midst of a hyper-individualistic culture. We just got out of our series in Corinthians and what we were talking about is, is, you know, we're one body with many parts. When we gather here together, when we unify and we sing together, it's the whole body coming together to worship God. Worship through music is so important because it reminds us that following Jesus is not a path that we need to figure out alone, but an adventure that we get to enjoy together. This is also why, mini rant coming, we need more congregational songs that focus on we rather than me. There are so many songs that always talk about, you know, myself, what I'm feeling, you know, you know Jesus, I, I, I'm going to do this, I want this, I want this, I want more. But we need more songs that center and revolve around we, because we're gathering together to sing them in community. When we sing together in unity, one of the things that I also believe is that we can be interceding on behalf of others who need the words that we're singing. There's a song called King of My Heart. One of the things, uh, one of the, the bridges, it goes, you're never going to let me down. And, and sometimes when we're singing that, that prayer is for ourselves, right? You know, God, I need to remember, you're never going to let me down. But other times, it's for our family member that's in the midst of their darkest valley, who's struggling with hard things. And you're praying for them. You're interceding on their behalf as you sing. God, I'm just praying that, that they would know that you're never going to let them down and that you are good. Sometimes we're singing for our friends and our family to know that God is good. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Worship through song can be intercession for the people around us. We worship through song because it's a way that we can worship together. Now, the second reason we worship through song is because God asks us to. Now, I know sometimes when we say, you know, God commands us to do this or God mandates uh, this and, and we have to do this, it actually makes people feel uncomfortable 
But guys, it's so clear that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament that there are, there's a clear mandate for the people of God to sing. There's numerous psalms that call on the community to sing a new song or, or bless his name. In the New Testament, Paul is often encouraging the New Testament church to sing. And I want to show you a few examples that show that there's a clear mandate for the church to sing. And we're going to blast through them because there's a lot. Psalm 9:11 it says sing the praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion proclaim among the nations what he has done Psalm 18:49 therefore i will praise you lord among the nations i will sing the praises of your name Psalm 21:13 be exalted in your strength lord we will sing and praise your might i love this one Ephesians 5:18 to 21 do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, Colossians 3, 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Amen. And there's so many more examples that we could highlight of this clear mandate for God's people, His church, to sing. It's evident that there's this call on us to sing and praise Jesus for all that he has done, all that he is currently doing, and all that he will do in our lives. My final point here is that we worship through song because it is inclusive. Everyone can sing. Now, before you start thinking, Colin, you think everyone can sing, but you're not standing next to the person that I am. They cannot sing. I cleared this with him first. I just want to, well, I just told him this. My dad, my dad is not a natural singer. He's not, yeah, let's just leave it there. He's generally close within the range of the melody-ish, like a, maybe like a semitone or a flat or, yeah, he's not normally that close actually. Um, and if you ask him to clap at the same time, it's over. But guys, let me tell you, my dad might not sing on tune. He might not sing, you know, the nicest sounding things. It's generally an octave below everything else. But he sings. My dad is one of the biggest encouragements to me when I'm leading worship. When I can see him front row with arms high and heart abandoned, singing out of tune, but not caring because he just wants to worship God, it's one of the most encouraging things to me. You don't have to be the best singer in the world. You don't have to have the perfect harmonies in order to worship through song because it's not about you. It's not about how good you are. Worship is our response to God. When we start comparing ourselves, you know, 
when we start saying that, oh, you know what, I'm not good enough to sing, then we're making worship actually about ourselves and not about God. Everyone has a voice. And when we sing together, we join together with one another. And you actually can't even hear a bad singer or a flat singer. You actually hear this beautiful, unified choir singing out praises and prayers to God. Worship through song is so powerful is because it includes the stranger. It includes all denominations. Some of you were at Hillsong this past Friday. And you know, similar experiences for me have been in uh, places like Worship Central. And, and what happens there is all denominations are coming together. All different ethnicities are coming together. They're putting aside differences. They're singing the same song to the same God. Worship through song is so powerful because it is so inclusive. It reminds us that, you know, we have a part to play and that there are things to do when it comes to living out our faith. We need to join together, including every part of the body to create this beautiful unified song to the Lord. Let's recap. We worship through song because it is an avenue for us to worship together because there's a clear call, a clear mandate in the Bible for his people to sing and because worship through song is inclusive. One of my favorite psalms in the Bible is Psalm 96, and it's going to help us today highlight a few more key ideas when it comes to worship through song. So we'll just bring it up here, and then we'll read it off the screen. It says this. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most, most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nation, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that it is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. I want to highlight a few key verses that are really standing out to me in this. Verse 1 says this, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. And this strikes me right away. 
the first thing I think about is, you know, we need to write new songs. It's my first instinct, you know, take it as it is. But the more that I read it, the more that I talk about people, ab talk with people about this, I don't think it's a mandate for us to come up with more new songs for the church to sing. It's actually a posture, one of newness. One of my best friends, Tim Choi, he said this, if you meant it when you sang it the first time, that means you should mean it when you sing it the hundredth time. And he's right. I think a lot of times we get caught up in complacency. You know, we're saying this, you know, uh, not this song again. Oh, too many songs. Too much hill song. Too many hymns. But what would shift for us? What would change if we looked at these songs or these, new li these lyrics with a fresh perspective? If God can meet us the first time we hear new lyrics, he can also meet us again and again and again and again. But that's on us. We need to come with new perspective. We need to approach songs as if we're hearing them for the first time. And I want to jump to verse 7 and 8. There's this section where it's all about ascribing to the Lord. And this is part of why we worship. We're thanking God. We're giving Him worth through our words. Worship can translate to worship. And that actually means to ascribe worth. When we worship, we're actually ascribing worth to God and we're putting Him in His rightful place on the throne. As we read this psalm, uh, I want you to notice that there's actually a lot of different tenses in it. There's past tense, you know, praise him for his marvelous deeds, the things that he has done. There's present tense where, where the psalmist is writing about, you know, God's present holiness and splendor. And finally, there's future tense where the psalmist writes about what's to come. But through it all, there's this call to worship God. God is never going to stop giving us reasons for us to worship him. He has done marvelous deeds in our lives, whether we've known it or not. He is doing marvelous deeds in our lives, whether we know it or not. And he will do marvelous deeds in our lives, whether we choose to pay attention or not. We need to ascribe worth to God because he is so worthy of it. We continue along in our psalm and, and we end up in verses 11 and 12 and, and we get to hear this amazing and beautifully written section that says this. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. When we worship in song, we're actually joining in to something so much bigger than ourselves. We're joining into this constant worship that's happening throughout heaven 24-7. I was leading worship at a youth conference, you know, past November, 
And right as we were about to kick off the first set, we had our sound engineer, the guy in the back, he spoke into our inner monitors and he said this. He said, team, just remember that we're joining in on a song that all of heaven and all of creation have been singing since the beginning of time. Participate and listen as these youth and you join in with heaven's song this weekend. God be praised. It was one of the most humbling, settling, and calming words that has ever been spoken to me before leading worship. When we worship in song, we're actually joining with all of heaven and all creation, ascribing worth to God. Church, we need to sing because we're participating in something so much bigger than ourselves. We worship through song because we're partnering with all of creation and all the other churches meeting on Sunday mornings and all of heaven to give worth to our king. Now I want to kind of take a turn and I also want to point out one real danger when it comes to worship through song. Music is a really powerful avenue, and it can do a lot of good, but it can also be a conduit of a lot of harm. Music, we can find, like, brings out a lot of feelings or emotions in us, and in itself, that's not a bad thing. But often, feelings or emotions can actually get in the way of our worship. I can't count the amount of times, and I get to work with teenagers, and I get to lead teenagers in worship. I can't tell you the amount of times that after a, uh, an awesome worship set, I've asked some, pe- asked some students, you know, how is, how, is, uh, how is that worship session for you? How is that, how is that for you? And they say, oh, no, it was good. But, you know, I, I just wasn't feeling it. Sometimes we judge a worship set or a worship leader based on how we felt after the last song ended. We need to recognize when emotions, when feelings are getting in the way of our worship. There's a really good way to heart check yourself. You know, after a service, instead of asking yourself the questions, how do I feel? Ask yourself, did I worship? Did I give worth to God? Did I enter into his presence? You know, emotions and feelings can play a part in our worship, but sometimes we use them as tools of passion or desperation. But it can never be the main thing. Worship through song is our response. It's not a feeling. So I hope you're seeing that worship through song is really powerful, and it's very important in our lives as disciples of Christ. Worship through song is very powerful for a congregation like ourselves here, but it's also really powerful for individuals because it's so deeply personal and it meets us in really personal spots. Worship through music has been really important in my life, and God has used lyrics and used songs to bring me out of really tough seasons that I didn't know how to get out of. So I just want to share with you a few reasons as we come to a close why I love worship through song and some of the reasons I want to encourage us today to sing. The first thing I love about worship through song is that it's absolutely and completely not about me. I spend so much time in my week doing things for myself, thinking about myself. In this hyper-individualistic culture, that's what it's about. 
It becomes about ourselves and what we can gain rather than what we can offer. Worship isn't about me. It's about something so much bigger than myself. It's a humbling response to a good God. I'm not looking to gain anything when we worship through song. I'm not looking to become the next Mariah Carey or the next Bono. I'm not looking to impress people. All I want to do is worship my God. And I love that about worship. It's not about us, and it's all about God. The second thing I love about worship will sound like I'm completely contradicting my last point, but it's all going to make sense, I promise. I worship because it's for me, because it's good for me. God doesn't need our worship. He mandates worship because it's for us. It's for us to realign. It's to to center ourselves to who God is. Worship reminds us why we choose God every day. I think we spend time thinking about a lot of things that we can do for God. We're ask, we always ask questions like, God, what do I need to do for you? How can I serve you? But we actually forget who God is. And if we don't know who God is, if we're not reminding ourselves daily of who we're serving or who we're worshiping, it actually becomes meaningless. Some of us here today need to reorient ourselves to who God is. Maybe it's that he's good. Maybe it's that he's faithful. Maybe that it's, he's our light in the darkness. Worship through song is often that one break we get out of our busy weeks to remind ourselves who God is and why he deserves our praise. When I remember who God is when we gather together on Sunday mornings, it actually helps me worship better in the days to come. Also, some worship songs can help put into words things that I didn't know how to voice or describe myself. I don't know if this has happened to you before, but last weekend I was at um, a youth conference called History Maker. Uh, I was sharing with um, a friend that I was feeling extremely frustrated I felt like I was static, I wasn't growing, and it was, a, it was a really difficult thing to put into words. Whenever people asked me how I was doing, I would just say, ah, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right, because I didn't know how to voice how I was feeling. We didn't have to lead on the Friday night, and so uh, we were there, we were worshiping. Um, Sky Leland, he was, he was leading worship, and he's a phenomenal worship leader. But I was feeling numb to lyrics. I was feeling frustrated with myself. Then Leland, he started singing a song, and the pre-chorus was like this. Jesus, light the first love fire in me again. I want to fall in. I want to fall in. I want to fall in love with you again. Back to the start where it was all about one thing. I want to fall in love with you again. All my frustration, all of my anger, everything that I desired was there in the lyrics of a song. 
God used that song to bring me back to a place of hope, a place of passion and desire to see him worshipped and glorified. And, you know, I don't think that I would have been able to lead that conference if I hadn't first heard that song. God met me where I was at through worship in song. I'm going to invite the worship team to start coming back up. The final thing I love about worship through song is that it's missional. Aside from, you know, the classic amazing songs like All the Poor and Powerless or Great Are You, Lord, where, like, the lyrics are very missional lyrics, the actual act of singing can be very missional. We used to have beach barbecues over in Spanish banks, and, you know, 50 or 60 students would would actually gather to, to eat together uh, and to play some volleyball or some ultimate. Um, but we would always end by singing together and worshiping together. It was a really cool part of our night. We've had really cool conversations come out because people who were passing by would hear 50 or 60 students gathering together and worshiping together, and they'd come in and they'd ask some of our leaders, like, what, like, what is this? What's going on? And, and we could tell them, like, we're from a church. We're a youth group, and we're just gathering to worship and sing together. We've had so many conversations come from those things. And also, some people, like, they'd stop by, they'd look in, and we've had people join along. And that's the dream, isn't it? Isn't that a picture of the kingdom? Where all people, every tongue, every nation, all people under heaven and earth would be singing one song of worship to the same God. If that's not a beautiful image that you get in your head, I don't know what is. But you know, in order for us to get there, it starts here. It starts with our worship here. Sometimes I like to think of Sunday mornings as our worship practice. We're practicing here for the next six days. This is where we get to practice our worship. I'm going to invite you all to stand.